0: Hello, Pastor Matt here. At New Life Baptist Church, we are pleased to be able to make these resources available to the public. Our desire is that these online resources, or any other resources you find online, would never be used to replace you joyfully belonging to a local church body, but rather that they would be supplemental for your walk with Christ. I pray that through this sermon, the word of the living God would stir your affections for Christ, strengthen your commitment to him, and broaden your understanding of who he is. Today we are in 2 John, Uh, so if you would, go ahead and stand with us as we read God's word. This is the word of the living God, the elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one that we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works though I have much to write to you I would rather not use paper and ink instead I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete the children of your elect sister greet you let's pray sovereign God as we come before you yet again this morning we ask now that you would speak to us through your word. We have spent the morning speaking to you in prayer and speaking to you in song. Now we ask that you would speak to us through your word. Father, please illuminate this word to our minds and to our hearts that we might understand it and joyfully apply it to our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. You can be seated. So as we read through that, Undoubtedly, a lot of what John is writing sounds very familiar. Sounds a lot like First John. You'll be happy to know that that's because it's the same author. First and Second and Third John. Uh, it was likely, at least, the same person who wrote these letters. I would like to kind of say it's it's really interesting that John's Gospel has a really wide focus. It's for all people, for unbelievers as well. We remember that in that, le- in that gospel we talked about last week, that his purpose was so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So he's writing to all people that they might believe. Then First John, he narrows his focus to churches, uh, a wide variety, a wider uh, view of churches. And the purpose of that was that you would believe that you believe, right? That you would believe that you have eternal life, that you would know that you have eternal life. Now he's narrowed his focus even more to a specific church. How do I know that? Where do I get that from? When we look at our text here, he identifies himself as the elder to the elect lady and her children. The elect lady, this is a this is this terminology here is is definitely widely debated uh, because it's not entirely clear who he's referring to um, I believe that this is just a way of saying to this church and the members of this church why is that well for one all throughout first John he constantly referred to his audience as children little children right he's talking to little believers he's addressing believers little children and so here he's saying to the elect lady and her children Obviously, he most likely would have in view the same thing as 1 John. He's talking to believers, members of a church. The elect lady, it's interesting, if you look down at verse 13, the children of your elect sister greet you. Now, would it make a whole lot of sense for John to be writing to siblings, and he's telling one sibling that the other sibling is greeting Wouldn't they have communication between one another already? Moreover, it stands to reason that they would be two churches, that John is saying this church is sending their greetings to your church, the church, the lady or the sister, and the children, so the members of the church, the congregants. We've been studying in the church according to scripture study series that the church is to be made up of Christians. So this is what John is most likely referring to, and then of course the context of the letter and the content of the letter seem to indicate that he's talking directly to a church. Now he's doing this in a way that seems like a summary of 1 John, doesn't it? Doesn't some of what he's saying seem like he's summarizing what he wrote in 1 John? And That's, I think, is more evidence that he's kind of distilling his teaching from the first letter to apply it directly to a specific church. Here's how you need to apply what I've been talking about. It's likely that First John was circulated among the churches. So, if we want to put, our, put ourselves in the context, it would be the church was written to New Life. Uh, we're, we're passing this between New Life Baptist Church, First Baptist Wolferth, right? First Baptist. Uh, Roosevelt, etc., and so on, and we're circulating this letter, and then now John has written us, and he has called us the elect lady. I bet you've never thought of our church in those terms, have you? Where do you go to church? The elect lady, of course. The elect lady, and it seems he's distilling and summarizing for the purpose of emphasizing parts of his teaching. You see, we spoke at length in First John about loving one another, didn't we? Somebody told me the other day, "You've been saying this so much, you would think we would get it by now." And that's be, that's because John is just hammering this home, hammering home love, 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 love one another, love one another, love one another. And what's the command that he gives here again? Love one another. It's like, jeez, John, I get it. Love one another. And yet, how often do we still? Not do it, right? It's because we're human, aren't we? We are so incredibly flawed. But when we have moments to be able to show our love for one another, what a joy it is for Christians to do it, isn't it? It's a joy to be able to show our love for one another. But because of that, we could be prone to misapply our love. We could be prone to misapply the command to love one another. We live in a culture and in a time where I don't have to explain this to you. You know very well that love is not really love anymore. People say you need to be more loving. Really what they mean is you just need to be nice. Niceness has replaced love. That's not to say that love is mean. That's not to say that we don't want to be nice. But how often it is Seen that in the name of being nice, we all together skip over being loving. Why? Because sometimes when you love someone, it cuts, doesn't it? And Cutting is not nice, and saying the truth to somebody isn't viewed as nice. And we see that at the be- end of this little letter. It's not exactly a nice thing to not greet someone, is it? not exactly nice and so John is teaching us something of how to specifically apply the love that he's taught us but not just love also truth so let's get into our text here we've covered who the audience is the audience is likely a specific church body and then he brings in this familiar theme, I love this in right at the beginning of verse 1, whom I love in truth. Not just that I love, but who I love in truth. But not only I, also all who know the truth. Why? Because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. John confesses his love for this church, but not just his love, but also the love of all believers, that all believers love these other believers. You remember in 1 John chapter 5, he spoke of that, that everyone who has been born of God loves other people who have been born of God. We love other Christian brothers and sisters. We love them. Why? He gives us the reason in verse 2 because of the truth that abides in us. See, they might not have ever met. There are Christians that we have never met. But if we were called and tasked to display our love for those people, we would jump to the opportunity joyfully because we love other brothers and sisters in Christ who we are united to in the truth. You see... In the Baptist world, we have to kind of learn to uh, think in different terms. In the Baptist world, what what unites us is being Baptist. But in reality, what unites the churches is truth. Not, Not anything else. It's truth that unites us. Without being united by truth, my friends, there is no unity. You might be able to spend time together. You might be able to link arms and complete a certain task or mission, but without truth, there cannot be true unity. And where there is truth, you find unity and you find love. We love the brothers and sisters who are truly in the Lord because we are also in the Lord. This is our common bond, our common faith that we share. It's important that we really grasp this at the outset of this Short letter because it's a thread that's going to run all the way till the end of this letter is being united in truth and love. That we love each other because of the truth. We have fellowship with people who are of the faith. We have people in our lives who are not believers, sure. But the only way to truly have meaningful, lasting fellowship is whenever it's with other believers. True, lasting, meaningful fellowship is birthed out of union with Christ. Fellowship with Christ is what is the basis of fellowship with other Christians. This is everything for us. It is the unity in Christ. What makes it so different? Why do we love other members of the faith? Once again, verse 2, because of the truth that abides in us, and it will be with us forever. You see, there are people who will unite today under the banner of what they would call the truth. It is common cultural knowledge, uh, uh, some, some uh, social activism, right? some sort of social justice campaign. But it will not endure forever if it is not built on the truth. Do You understand, only the truth lasts forever. So we can get excited and rah-rah about all of these other types of campaigns, and we see that happening in our world. But when they're not founded in truth, eventually they're going to fade away and they will crumble. It's only a matter of time. Jesus said, those who obey my teachings are like somebody who built their house on the what? a rock. All of the ground is sinking sand, isn't it? It might stand for a time. These campaigns that we see today will stand for a time, but eventually the wind and the waves of time will eventually come and sweep over them, and it will only be truth that will be standing. We're going to look at, throughout this time together, we're going to See these different characteristics of walking in truth, and then characteristics of characteristics of walking according to deception. Look at verse four with me. I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. This is why He calls these believers His children. That he's so full of joy to see them walking. In the truth. He's full of joy to see that they are being obedient to the Lord. There are always some among us who are not walking in truth, though, isn't there? Notice what John says. I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children. What a sad word that is there. Some of your children, not all, but some of the members we're walking in truth. There's an implication here that some of them were not and some of them were. Not all of them were holding fast to the word of truth and obeying the Father. As we learned back in 1 John, there was a large group of people who left the church, right? And what were they doing? They were following after lies. They were not walking in the truth. They were walking according to lies, following the deceitfulness of schemes developed by man. So, of course, it must be an absolute joy to find that there are at least some who are walking according to the truth. Yes, it would be much better if it were all walking according to the truth, but it's almost as though John is saying, thank the Lord Jesus Christ that there are at least some of you At least there is a remnant left among you who have not bowed the knee to Baal. At least there is a group among you who have not been deceived by the evil one. At least there are some of the believers from your church who are still holding fast to the word of truth and being obedient to our Father. Let me tell you, I never have referred to any of you as my children by any means but I it is an absolute joy to see you walking according to the truth it is an absolute joy to see you walking in obedience to the Father listen it's a difficult time that we live in in this world and there's a lot of craziness going on out there But thank the Lord that He is protecting some. Moreover, there's a lot of exciting things going on here in LBC. But the most exciting report that I ever receive is the report of how much you're growing, how much you are loving the Word of God, how much your love for Christ is increasing. That is what fills me with joy. Having visitors and those things are exciting, but nothing is exciting as seeing you walking according to the truth. What a joyous thing that is, and praise God that we can rejoice greatly at that. But so it is with other believers. It's a true joy to hear of other believers who are being faithful. Listen, at New Life Baptist Church, we don't own the market on truth. Right? We we haven't invented truth here. We're not the only church in the world who is standing on the truth. Thank God. Thank God that there are other believers out there who are holding fast to the truth. They are standing in the word of God. They are walking according to the truth. They are being obedient to the word of God. And you know what? When we hear reports of that, it causes us to rejoice greatly. Thank God there's other believers out there. Praise the Lord. The gospel is going forth no matter what the culture is doing. No matter what legislation is being passed. Thank the Lord the gospel is never bound. Right? Amen. It rejoices our hearts. There are so many stories of people who are deconstructing their faith and walking away from the church and falling away into sin. But thank God that we can rejoice over some. Look at verse 5. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one that we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. we have heard this a hundred times in First John. Verse, or chapter 3, verse 11 from First John. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. There's nothing complicated about that, is there? That we should love one another. What is our command? It's not a new one, John is saying. I'm not writing you a new command. I'm reminding you of the old one. Love one another. Be loving to each other. We prove to be our disciples in the way that we love each other, Jesus said. But remember, this all springs forth from within us when we have the truth abiding in us. God is truth. God is also love. You see how these things go hand in hand. True love is founded on the truth. Real love is built on the truth. It doesn't, it's not built on lies. It doesn't celebrate a lie. This is so timely for us, church, because everywhere you turn, It is so loving to celebrate people who are dead in their sin, who are coming out as sinful people. And we celebrate that. We say, yeah, how good of you, how brave you are to come out. That's not loving, church. It's not loving to say, keep sinning, keep breaking God's law. You're doing a great job the way that you're breaking God's law. It's a terrible thing. That's the exact opposite of love. That's hateful. It's hateful to cheer someone on on their way to hell. And by all means, we don't look at people who are in sin and say, ah, you sinner. Look at you. You're such a sinner. No. We plead with people that they would turn from their sin. We plead with people with the gospel that there is hope for you yet, that you can be freed from your sin, your bondage, to sin. If you would repent and put your faith in Christ, He bore your sin. We don't despise people who are living in sin. We despise their chains. We despise absolutely the lifestyle because Christ despises it. But we plead with all that they would turn, that some might be saved that we would be able to walk in truth together. Why? Because we love one another. Because we're loving. We will always be looked at as hateful and intolerant and bigotous, like we're we're bigots. The culture will always call us that. But rest assured that they do not define what love is, church. You know who does? It's Almighty God, and he has told us what love is as long as you walk according to that, walking according to truth, it doesn't matter what the culture says about you. The love that we have for one another in the church is founded on truth, and that's why here at New Life Baptist Church, we make a big deal about truth. It's not so that we can win arguments over people. It's not so that we can say we're smarter than other people. It's so that we can love each other better. That's how we grow in our love is knowing the truth. We see the truth as paramount in all that we do because it's only in and with and from the truth that we can truly love one another. Look at verse 6. When we walk in truth, we obey God's commands. Verse 6, and this is love, that we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment. Just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. You see, when we walk in truth, we obey God's commands. And what's the command? It's that we would love one another. And how do we love one another? By walking in according to the commandments of God. It's not linear reasoning here. This is exactly what the scriptures teach. Is that when we obey God, that is when we are truly being loving to other people. Think about God's commands. Put others before yourself right? Pray for those who curse you, right? Be humble, walk in humility towards one another. You mean to tell me if we are obedient to those things that we're not going to be loving to one another? No. We would absolutely be extremely loving to one another just by being obedient to what Christ has commanded us to do. Isn't that amazing? Is that we don't have to compartmentalize all these things in our brain that I need to be obedient, I need to be learning, I also need to be loving, and I need to do this, and I need to do that. Whenever we learn the truth, it teaches us how to be obedient, which leads us to be more loving. Do you see how this is all connected? Isn't God just absolutely beyond our thinking and our understanding? In 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. We joyfully obey the Lord's commands when we are walking in the truth because we love God. And because we love God, we obey God. And because we obey God, we love God's people. It's all connected together. Look at chapter 7. Or verse 7, I'm sorry. Verses 7 through 11 are more focused now on the false teaching and those who have been deceived and those who are deceiving. Verse 7. Many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. What a drastic change he makes here. Love one another, obey God one another. Other people aren't doing this, and they are the Antichrist. Wow. It is impossible to overstate the dangers of false teaching. We can't overstate it. Look at what John said. He called them the Antichrist. There's not a more severe charge that you could bring against someone than calling them the Antichrist. This is saying that they are enemies, of the Lord Jesus Christ it's not merely that they've got a few things wrong and we just kind of disagree on a few doctrinal distinctives it's that they are enemies of the Lord they are working for the evil one is what John is saying you see how many times do we we want to give people the benefit of the doubt don't we Because false teaching is always presented in such a nice man. The preacher's charismatic. Look at how fired up he gets the room. Look at how many people are there to listen. Look at how cool the stage looks. Look at how many books he's written. He's been on the bestseller list. There's no way this guy's a false teacher. As we've said over and over and over again. False teaching is never presented to you as false teaching. It's never presented to you that way, is it? It comes to you as a sheep. It looks like another believer, but inside there is a ravenous wolf. Deceivers have always turned periods, clear statements that God has made into question marks. That's what Dr. Lawson said. They turn periods into question marks. And is this not exactly what the enemy did in the garden? Did God really say? Oh, God said, period. And here comes the evil one. Did God really say that that's how it needs to be? Did, did God, does God really expect you to take it that seriously? Does God really want you to to just think about him all the time and be that obedient? Does God really care what music you listen to? Does God really care what books you read? Does God really? Yes, absolutely. He has set forth a command with a period at the end, not a question mark, not a comma, if you would like to do this. He has set forth a clear command for us to obey, and it's an emphatic command statement you see here at this time in john's time jesus christ came in the flesh is what the scriptures say period and these deceivers were saying did god really come in the flesh they were making people question what was solid rock truth it would be the equivalent of me making you question whether or not you were really sitting in a chair no that's a ladder It's a ladder, I promise you, it's a ladder. Is it really a chair? How can you know what a chair is? And you see, there's. if I had never come and and made up all of these crazy ideas and, and given you all these confusing statements, you'd have no problem believing that you're sitting in a chair because you're sitting in a chair. But along come the deceivers. And they are everywhere today, church. In the internet age... It is very easy to access false teaching. But not just to access it. It's available. It's being pushed into your face. It's being, here it is, even in the Bible app. Of all places, the Bible app on your phone, false teaching aplenty. You go to a Christian bookstore, Mardell. Man, if there should ever be a safe haven, it's the... Christian bookstore, as soon as you walk in, you are inundated with so much false teaching. How can you identify false teaching? It makes the faith about you instead of Jesus. It's all about you, your purpose, your goals, your kingdom coming to the earth, not Jesus's. It's about what Jesus can get you, not what Jesus has done, not who he is. I'll admit that was a rabbit trail. But to lie about the person and work of Jesus Christ is to do the work of Satan himself. And rest assured that we have nothing in common with these types of people. Hear the word of God today. We do not have any unity with false teaching, with false teachers. This is what John is clearly saying Many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not co- confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Not your buddy. Not your friend. They are the deceiver. And they are the antichrist. And it's because of how dangerous this is that John says in verse 8, look at it with me, watch yourselves. Why? Why? so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. When we walk in truth, we are on guard. There are three commands in this very short letter, and this is command number one. Watch yourself. Be on guard. Be vigilant. Do not be haphazard. Don't be flippant. Don't be loose with the truths of God. Listen, you believe, believing the truth about God is every bit as important as me teaching the truth about God. You believing the truth about God is as important as me teaching the truth about God. You don't want to go and seek out for yourself lies that feel good and sound good because you will be held accountable to these things. This is what John is saying. Watch yourselves or else you will lose what we have worked for. In the faith, we are promised that there will be rewards for our labor that is done in the name of the Lord when we cross over into glory. What John is saying here is if you don't watch yourself, you can lose those rewards. This isn't losing your salvation, but this is losing the rewards that you will be presented with by our King when we cross over into glory. Watch yourself. Don't just listen to anything. Don't just read whatever. Don't just repeat whatever. Watch yourself. Verse 9. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. When you outgrow Christ, you lose God. When you outgrow Christ, you lose God. What do I mean by that? There were some at the time here who claimed to have been so enlightened that they didn't need your run-of-the-mill type of teaching. They were enlightened. They were super Gnostics. They, they were risen above. They were ultra-enlightened And so they didn't need the basic teachings of the faith anymore because they have surpassed them now. What does John say? But if you go on ahead and you don't abide in the teaching of Christ, you don't have God. Why would he say that? Because they were saying that they could have a relationship with God without Jesus. That you don't need Jesus. There's this God force in the universe. And it's the same thing today. There's a person, his name was Carl Lentz. He was a popular rock star preacher from Hillsong. He was on the Oprah show one time, and she was asking him, because she hates Jesus, she brings pastors onto her show and gets them to compromise. And she said, is Jesus the only way to heaven? And Carl Lentz, a pastor millions. I believe that when Jesus said he is the way, he meant that he's a road marker on the way to heaven. Just another one of the ways to get to heaven. It'll be no surprise for you to hear that he has since been outed as an adulterer. Because when you surpass the teaching of Christ, you don't have God. When you leave behind the teaching of Christ, you do not have God. There's not a way to have God without Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. No one. Not one person. No matter how nice you are. No matter how well-versed you are in the things of the world religions. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. And as Christians, we love that, don't we? Verse The second half of verse 9. But whoever abides in this teaching has both the Father and the Son. By contrast, when we do abide in the teachings of Christ, we have both the Son and the Father. We have a relationship with the triune God. This, again, is why we do expository preaching here. We want to teach and preach everything the Bible says about God and sin and salvation. We want to teach and preach and believe the truth about who Jesus is and what He has done, not to win arguments, but so that some might be saved. And so that you and I can grow in the knowledge of God. There will always be different cultural trends that are perverting the truth about Jesus. They are antichrists. They are the works of Satan himself. We want to stay in the old, conservative, orthodox views of Scripture. We don't want the trends. We don't want the latest greatest. We want the good old stuff, don't we? What do they say? Oldie but goodie. That's the type of teaching we want, is the oldies but goodies. Why? Because they stand the test of time. Because... Everything else will pass away. The flower fades, the grass withers, but the word of our God stands forever. Praise God. Verses 10 through 11. When we walk in truth, we do not have fellowship with deceivers. Listen to this. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. Why? Why? For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. This is a clear, concise command. Anyone, anyone, anyone who brings you a different teaching and tries to tell you something wrong about Jesus Christ, don't even greet him, John said. Don't even greet him. What does that mean? Don't say hi to him. Don't even accept him into your home. Don't say, yes, I have a moment to hear about our Lord Jesus Christ. The one that you do not know, but I do. Do not receive them into your home. Don't be one with them. Do not be joined with them. Do not have fellowship with them. Because when you do, you take part in their wicked deeds. What a severe charge that is. Here we thought we were just listening to music. Here we thought we were just hearing an encouraging word on YouTube. But what does John say? Watch yourself. Don't accept these people who teach the lies about Jesus. Because when you do, you're taking part in what they are doing. Do you understand how serious this is, church? So when we said several Weeks or months ago now, that there would be certain churches that we would not sing their music. This is exactly why. Because we do not want to take part in their wickedness, in their wrong teaching about who Jesus is. We want to be surrounded by the truth. The truth protects us, the truth keeps us safe, the truth leads us to Christ, the truth leads us to heaven, the truth keeps us free from sin. The truth keeps us free from bondage. We want to know the truth. And We want to sing the truth. We want to preach the truth. We want to teach the truth. That's what we want to be all about here. Paul asks, what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship does the light have with darkness? That's 2 Corinthians 6. As I stated in the opening, true fellowship, meaningful fellowship, Meaningful friendships cannot be founded on anything other than the truth about Christ. The truth about who he is and what he has done for us. After all, it is the truth about who Jesus is and what he has done that saves us. It's the truth about him, not the lies, not the what we want to hear. But it's the truth that saves us. What did Jesus say? And you will know the truth. And the truth will what? Set you free. What does that mean? Is that the lies will keep you enslaved. We want freedom here. We preach a gospel of freedom. We serve a God who frees us to serve him and to love him. And when we come to know this God, we love God's people and we walk in the truth together. Let's stand. Without Christ, there is no Christianity, there is no church, and there is no life. So let us every day commit ourselves anew to walking in the truth and watch ourselves. We're going to sing a hymn, and we'll pray and be dismissed. Father in heaven, thank you for your word this morning. I pray that your word would accomplish its purpose in our lives this morning, that you would help us to watch ourselves, that we may continue to walk in the truth that you have taught us, following the spirit of truth that you have given us, and that we would have great fellowship with one another, loving one another, uh, united in that same truth, Lord. Please protect us as we go from this place. Bring us back safely, Lord. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Grace, peace, and mercy to you all.